Welcome to the first ever American History Supreme Court Podcast. Today we will go over the trials, clauses, and acts passed in the Supreme Court in 1801 to 1835. Even though many, if not all, these laws are still in action in the United States government, back in the 19th century, they were causing havoc in the newly formed judicial branch. Way back in 1789, the Senate Judiciary Act was created, establishing the Judicial Court. The act split the country into 13 judicial districts and made a network between the courts and U.S. General Attorney's Office. In addition, also made the Supreme Court, or the highest court in the judicial system, with one chief justice and five associate justices. This was the start of the judicial branch. Just before John Adams' presidency was ending, he appointed several federal justices. Due to the Judiciary Act, John Adams was given the right to appoint these judges and gave him power in the court system. He tried to gain control of as much of the judicial branch as he could. These judges were called Midnight Judges. One of these midnight judges was John Marshall. John Marshall was a Federalist who was a Revolutionary War veteran and politician. He is famous for being one of the delegates in the XYZ affair. Marshall was appointed to be the Chief Justice in 1801 by John Adams. In addition, John Adams also ordered the U.S. Navy to stop all ships suspected to be traveling to and from France or any French-controlled ports. As a result, the Dutch ship, the Flying Fish, was suspected to be breaking the embargo and was captured by the USS Boston in Boston Harbor. The Flying Fish was then illegally taken by the government. The Federal District Court decided to give back the ship but didn't pay for the damages. The court then was appealed and made its way to the Supreme Court. John Marshall ruled that the President, John Adams, didn't have any right to declare the seizure of the American ships trading with the French. Also, if the Flying Fish had been an American ship, it still would have been illegal for the seizure of the ship. Due to the fact that the President was not authorized to make this regulation, the Captain, George Lilo, had to play for the damages. One of the cases that held John Marshall as Chief Justice was the Marbury v. Madison case, which was built around the conflict of the new Midnight Judges being approved by the Secretary of State, which at that time frame was no other than Democratic-Republican James Madison. Madison had refused to approve any of the commissions that were from these new judges and denied them from being justices. Marbury, one of the newly appointed Midnight Judges, was furious and wrote a writ of mandamus to the Supreme Court which was a court order for another court to correct illegal behavior so that it would comply with the law, so that Madison's actions would be corrected. Eventually, the case had gone to the Supreme Court, and Madison's actions were found unconstitutional. But the Judiciary Act that had brought Marbury's claim was, as well, unconstitutional. Chief Justice John Marshall had decided that the Judiciary Act was unconstitutional. The result of the Marbury v. Madison case was the process of judicial review, or the power to declare a law unconstitutional. This caused the judicial branch to establish itself as a branch as powerful as the executive and legislative branches. The Georgia legislative branch passed a grant given land to four different companies in 1795. Although the next year they took away the law and all rights and claims of the land, 
A few years later, John Peck, who had acquired the land due to the original grant, sold the land to Robert Fletcher. Peck claimed that it was legal to sell the land, while Fletcher said that due to the grant being taken away, John Peck had no right to sell the land. The court ruled that the legislative branch repe repeal of the act had been unconstitutional because of Article 1, Section 10, Clause 1 of the U.S. Constitution. Since the repeal was deemed unconstitutional, the court said that Peck should not have to deal with the consequences of the unlawful repeals and acts and was allowed to sell the land. This case was significant because it was one of the first times that the Supreme Court ruled a state law unconstitutional. The case of Gibbons and Ugden was a case that finally drew the line on if the federal government controlled interstate commerce. In 1824, a steamboat owner named Thomas Gibbons was given an injunction due to him using the route that another fellow steamboat owner owned. Gibbons had o attempted to have a trial with the state justice system, but was denied due to the conflict being a federal matter. The trial made its way to the Supreme Court, where the Chief Justice John Marshall had declared that the matter was to be decided by Congress due to the Commerce Clause that had made it so that the government the United States government would regulate interstate trade. Gibbons was proven guilty as even though he had a federal license, he had traded on the route of Ugden. In 1816, James Madison established the Second National Bank. Due to the competition of state bank versus national bank, the state of Maryland decided to tax the national bank so the state banks could do better. The national bank refused to pay this tax. So Maryland brought it to court. The Maryland government claimed that the U.S. didn't have the right to create a national bank under the Constitution. John Marshall ruled, however, that according to the Necessary and Proper Clauses, Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution, the U.S. could make a national bank and the states do have the right to tax, but laws made in Congress can't be controlled by the states. A case that had the remnants of the Revolutionary War in its tracks. The Martin v. Hunter lesson case had determined that the federal courts could overpower the state justice system. Denny Martin was a British subject that lived in Virginia and had inherited land from his loyalist uncle. The Virginia legislator had voided his land due to the Revolutionary War laws, which had given the government power to take away the land of loyalists. Then a portion of the land was granted to David Hunter, and then Martin dictated that he was entitled to the land due to the federal treaty with Britain. The outcome had come to the Supreme Court outruling the Virginian court, as the Supremacy Clause stated. Hunter ultimately got his land back as the Treaty of Paris stated that all loyalists who lost land during the war would have it returned. An act in 1821 passed by Congress allowed the operation of a lottery to happen in Washington, D.C., the Cohen brothers started to sell these tickets in Virginia, breaking the Virginia state law. The state arrested and brought both of them to court. The state then declared that they were the final judge in this case. The case was borderline between the state and national courts, though. So, the Supreme Court then reviewed this case. The Virginia government felt that the Supreme Court could not do this. In the end, the Supreme Court ruled that they were in fact allowed to do a jurisdiction in state convictions, but they said that illegal lottery selling tickets was a local issue 
and the state government could charge the Cohen brothers for breaking the Virginia state law. The last case that will be examined today is the Wilson v. Blackbird Creek Marsh Company. The state of Delaware had authorized the construction of a dam to be built on Blackbird Creek. Wilson had been a licensed owner of a sailing vessel that was on the creek at the time. As he was on the body of water, he was unaware of the dam that was built and was unable to stop his sailing vessel. Thus, he crashed through the dam and destroyed, sending lots of rubble and the remnants of the dam flowing through the river. The Blackbird Creek Marsh Company had pressed charges on Wilson and made him pay for the damages. Wilson had took the case to the Supreme Court. The court had decided that the matter was between the state of Delaware and its citizens, and the conflict would not in any relation to the Commerce Clause. The conflict was found not to have any action against the law, and Wilson was proven guilty. The case had proven how the separation of state and federal government was coming into play in the newly formed United States. John Marshall had a huge impact on the judicial branch in early U.S. history. He served 34 years as Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Over this time, he was in over 1,000 decisions and wrote over 500 opinions. Not only did he serve for a long time, he also was one of the key people to shape the judicial branch. His establishment of the constitutional law helped create the judicial branch and made the judicial branch just as powerful as the legislative and executive branch. Another achievement is making the balance between the state and national government, making sure not to give too much power to one or the other. One of his most notable impacts is the idea of judicial review, or to declare laws to be unconstitutional, which is a part of the judicial branch even today. Overall, John Marshall was a great politician that heavily shaped the judicial branch. Even though this is only the first episode of Supreme Judgments, we already know that you guys love us. Due to all this information, due to you guys being information-seeking and intelligent listeners, you guys make us be able to give you these episodes every week. Well, thank you for everything you've done, guys. Also, we'd like to cite our sources to make sure that we never get copyrighted and be able to make sure that we always are a credible source for you guys to listen into. Well, today's sources were brought to you by Oyes.com, Biography.com, and Encyclopedia.com. We can't forget the biggest one, PBS.org. Well, thank you guys. Now listen in for Ong Bing for more information on the following episodes. Thank you for watching me and Austin's first podcast. In the next couple of weeks, we'll be releasing a new podcast. This podcast will be about the era of abolition and how it affected the judicial branch. Stay tuned. And always, have a great day.